0: Hey, Vision family. Thanks for tuning in to the Vision Podcast. This past Sunday was an amazing Sunday. We got to host my father-in-law, Pastor Bob Bartlett from Phoenix, Arizona. And he is a tremendous man of God, an evangelist at heart. He's preached in over 100 nations of the world. He preached a great message on the fact that you are somebody. And... I got to tell you, you know, it dealt with a lot of great things. It dealt with depression, loneliness, and many things that people experience. And sometimes we forget who we are. You know, if we focus on the problems in life, we forget sometimes our identity in Christ. And so I want to encourage you to grab a pen, to put on your seatbelt, tune in, and listen as Pastor Bob brings it. Several years ago, for Father's Day, my youngest daughter convinced the church, lovingly, to buy me an iPad. Because I had said to her, all the famous preachers are using iPads when they go to the pulpit. And I wanted to be a famous preacher. So they bought me one. I put my whole sermon on it. I walked into the pulpit. Feeling like Bishop Jakes, Phil Johnson, and I got into the my pulpit. I opened my iPad up and hit the delete button. So ever since then, I write my sermon on paper. She came into my office several years ago. with the saddest face I'd ever seen on this black woman. And I said, can I help you? She said, pastor, I'm a nobody. I said, why do you say that? Her name was, I can't pronounce it, it was an African named Michelle Murabi, something like that. And she said during the genocide between the Hutu and the Tutsis in Rwanda. I was arrested, placed in a prison cell, and was raped 18 times in 24 hours. She said, I'm nobody, I'm nothing. Can you help me? And being a pastor, I've discovered that we've got a whole world full of people who feel like nobodies. They're hurt, they're confused, they feel isolated. And for the past half century, all of my adult life, God somehow has placed me in areas where there were hurting, lost, insecure, frightened people. I remember on one occasion, Brother Lance, Thank you for wearing a necktie, I don't feel out of place today. I was walking down a street in North Philadelphia several years ago, just before the Dr. Martin Luther King assassination. In fact, several years ago I was nominated for the Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Lifetime Achievement Award for our work in the inner city of Philadelphia and later for the last 31, 32 years in. Phoenix, Arizona. But I was walking down Columbia Avenue in North Philadelphia. We were passing out tracks. We went into areas where the police said, don't go into that area. We go with dogs and 38s on our hip and two-way radios. I just went with a handful of young people and we were passing out tracks. I turned the corner and I saw this young man lying half on the street and half in the gutter with a needle still in his arm and his eye rolled back in his head and mucus coming out of his nose and white vomit coming out of his mouth. He had been on the rooftop with some of his friends and he had taken an overdose of drugs and they drug him down four flights of stairs and dropped him in the gutter. I happened to be there just about when his friends were running down the alley and I walked over and picked him up and was holding him in my arms when I could hear the police in the background coming with the wagon and they pried my arms loose and picked that dead body out of my arms. I'll never forget looking at his parents later on in the funeral home. Sad, frightened people. Apparently, they had no hope whatsoever. And beloved, as we sat here in this beautiful, safe, secure surrounding, we have to realize that the world has absolutely no hope outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a good place to say amen very loud. That means we've got one singular reason to exist as a church, and that is to carry this life-giving message to people who have never heard it before or to those who have made been exposed to it superficially, but it had never really penetrated their hearts. I remember sitting in a coffee house in the Soho section of London, England, and we were witnessing. Now, Brother Lance, you and I are the only ones that are gonna remember the hippies. Maybe Roddy's old enough to remember that, I don't know. His wife surely is not. We were sitting around a coffee table and I was witnessing to this young couple and doing my best, and this is years ago. And you know, when you're young and you're aggressive, and man, you just wanna, you wanna get it done now. We're a, a, a microwave generation. So I was talking about heaven and hell and this young man looked at me and he said, I don't believe in hell. I said, just because you don't believe in it doesn't make it one degree cooler. Now, I can say that humorously because I want you to have a little bit of humor today because I don't want to penetrate you so hard that you leave here bleeding. But realize there is a hell and there is a heaven. And I'm just a simple preacher. I was going to speak this morning on the unique phenomenon of the charismatic experience associated by traditional glossolalia as recorded in ecclesiastical writings as pursued by the Antonicene and Nicene fathers. But I ain't smart enough to preach that, so. But as I prayed the other night and I've had such a lovely time with my family, I didn't come visit them to preach, but I'm glad they asked me. But listen, the other night as I was praying about this service and the Lord said, there's gonna be somebody there who is hurting on the inside. They feel lonely, they feel ostracized and they carry a hurt on their heart. But today, God's going to go inside that chest cavity and take that wound off of your heart. Yes. The Lord. Then I begin to wonder What makes us hurt? What makes us feel isolated? And I'm full of stories. Uh, I was talking to Josh yesterday. I kinda dominated his time for close to an hour. And I was talking to him and he said, I like your stories. Well, I'm full of stories after 60 years of preaching. But I began to ask myself and I made some notes, that way I don't, There's no delete button on this page. Why do people feel lonely? And I read the story in Luke chapter eight about a lady that had no name, no address. There's not one mention that she ever considered considered sin or, or involved herself in sin. She had no name, no address. And all we know about her is this, that she became very isolated and very cut off. One morning, this lady with no name woke up. And we're all adults in here, so you understand that it appeared to be her time of the month. You know, a hundred years ago, it was called the visitor. My grandmother teaching my wife. My wife told me that grandmother just said, it's shh time. She woke up that morning and was going through the normal things that a lady goes through. But I know that last four days, maybe five days, but her discharge of blood was seven, eight, nine. Something very unusual had taken place. So she went to the doctor She had a little bit of money put aside. She went to the doctor to try to find out what was wrong. He couldn't discover what was wrong, so she went to another one maybe. (laughs) After a while, a month, two months, nothing changed. But in her religion, her religion demanded, though she had done nothing wrong, apparently just like maybe you sitting in this chair today You're going through something as Pastor Phil said a moment ago, and you're fighting some kind of a battle. And the Lord told me that you would be here this morning. And I'm no prophet, nor am I the son of a prophet, but I do prophesy that you're here for a reason today. I believe the steps of good people are ordered by the Lord. And just because I'm seemingly addressing this to you doesn't mean you're not good. It simply means that somewhere in life, you got scarred, you got wounded, and you hurt. You don't remember committing any sin. There's no sin uh, recorded that this woman did anything wrong. And yet, by this third or fourth month, her religion demanded that when she went out among the public, she had to cry, unclean, I'm unclean. And the people had to turn their back on her so that as she walked out among the people, she understood rejection and loneliness. And beloved, let me tell you something. There's nothing worse than feeling lonely. I thought I was lonely when my wife went to heaven in 2011. I thought I was lonely when I lost mom and dad, buried them, I'm going next week to Kansas to help my sister decorate the graves. I thought I was lonely laying in a bed last October in Kenya, East Africa, thinking I was just barely sick, but a few days later they diagnosed me with corona. And I was there, halfway around the world, all by myself. But beloved, there's no loneliness like the loneliness of sitting in church with a mask on, hoping nobody would know what you're going through. Christians are the best people. When they say, when we say, how are you doing? I'm doing great. And you're hurting, tore up on the inside. This woman didn't go through it for a few months. She went through it year after year. Now picture this in your mind By now, she has no family left. She's out of money, she's out of friends, and I still don't know her name. And the only address I have is at the end of a muddy trail in a little shack with a cot in the corner and blood-stained sheets, a scared, lonely, frightened woman. She had done nothing wrong. You have done nothing wrong. And yet, you were judged. You were criticized. And let me tell you something. (laughs) We don't need the Supreme Court or the federal jurisdiction to criticize and judge us. It happens almost every Sunday in America in the house of God. Thank God as I've gotten older and we mellow out. And we're not near as judgmental as we used to be at our age. But some of us come from really sanctified backgrounds. And at the end of the service, we come to the altar and pray, God bless me and my wife, our son, and his wife, us four, no more. And we go home to our safe houses. Now we're dealing with things today, beloved, that I never dreamed we would deal with. Our world is in a mess. There are lonely people everywhere I go. And I've been from Siberia to Australia and most parts in between. And I'm leaving in October for Zambia in July. I mean, in July, I'm going to Zambia, Spencer. And I don't wanna go alone, Spencer. And your mother and daddy have money, Spencer. Everywhere I go, there's lonely people. Now what creates loneliness? Why do we get lonely? I'm gonna give you my case, because I'm the first Christian in the history of my immediate family Oh, yes, Dr. Josiah Bartlett was one of the 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence. And we're in his direct line. That's my only call to fame. My mother and dad never prayed. We never had a Bible. I grew up in a good home, a solid home. But I grew up thinking God's last name was Damn. We never prayed. We didn't go to church. And one day I saw some young people in school and I was attracted to these girls. It happens when you're about 15. Zachary. Actually, it happens when you start growing hair in your legs. Life changes. Puberty changes a man. And I saw these girls One was a redhead, one was a blonde, and one was a brunette. And they attended a Little Church of God of the Apostolic Faith. I tried to date one of them, take her to a movie. Oh, we don't go to movies, remember those days. And I said, well, can I take you to the dance? Oh, we don't dance. I said, how can I date you? She said, take me to church. I said, on a date? That wasn't on my exciting list of things to do. But I went to that little church probably about this many, maybe not even this many people there, they begin to sing, I'll fly away, he set me free, keep on the fire line, there's power in the blood. If you know them songs, you can join any Pentecostal church in the world. The preacher began to preach, and he talked about going to heaven, going to hell, the end of the world, the mark of the beast. They took me home, I was scared to death. I didn't know the world was gonna come to an end. When I got up the next day and went to school, one of the kids said, Bob, come go to church with us tonight. I said, I can't go to church two times in one week. They said, please go. And I said, no. They said, that girl's going. I said, you talk me into it. (laughs) That night, we went to a little Pentecostal church in Burden, Kansas. One of the symbols of God church. And they sang those same songs and jumped up and down and clapped their hands like you are supposed to in church. And then the preacher preached. He preached about going to heaven, going to hell, the end of the world, the mark of the beast, the Antichrist, and there I sat. But they put me in the middle of the pew. Now, when you bring a visitor, put them in the middle so they can't get away. When the preacher finished preaching, he made the altar call, and they played, started playing that real scary music on the piano. The preacher's begging all the sinners to come to the front. He knew I was the only sinner there. All the old ladies were praying and peeking and they were all looking at me. Finally, the Holy Ghost took me to the, I'd never seen anybody repent in my life. I went to the altar, got on my knees. I didn't know how to pray. A little lady came knelt next to me. We used to call them mothers in Israel. She had her hair piled up on her head, probably 25 pounds of hair. She knelt next to me and she said, son, do you know how to pray? And I said, no. She said, hallelujah. Say this prayer after me. She said, say these words, dear God, I'm an old, dirty, filthy, rotten, no good sinner. I looked at her and I thought, how does she know I'm all that? She never seen me in her life. She said, go on and pray. That's the only way to get in. I didn't know how to pray. She said, confess all your sins to Jesus. I thought she meant one by one out loud I'm 15 years old, Spencer. <laughs> 30 minutes later, man, I, was, I prayed through, but that a woman hadn't been the same since. <laughs> but that night, God Almighty wrote my name down in the Lamb's Book of Life, and I repented of my sins, and a week later, I received this mighty baptism of the Holy Ghost. And it's been good every day for 64 years. However, my prayer of repentance cost me everything I had. My mother, my father, my brother, my sisters, a scholarship to Kansas University at the school of medicine. six weeks after, six months after I got saved, God called me to be a preacher, and I started preaching. I probably did more harm to the kingdom than I did good the first two years, but I've never looked back. But let me tell you about being lonely because I had a conversion experience. And some of you may have had a conversion experience and nobody understood what happened to you overnight. My life changed, and I was a, you know 15 years old. I wasn't bad, how bad can you be in Kansas in 1957 when you're 15? The worst thing we ever did was on Halloween, and we'd go down the alleyway, and me and some of my friends knocked them two-holers over. How many of you grew up in the country? You lived in a house with a path and a little building at the end of that path? You know, well, my grandma had a three-holer so you could visit with your cousins. <laughs> But my conversion cost me. Now people say, "When well, I'm supposed to quit. Start playing music now and I'll understand. Because I have three closings. Once when my boy was little, my oldest boy was little, he looked at his mother and he said, mother, I was up preaching. He said, mommy, now in closing, she said, nothing. Yeah. You know, sometimes when we give our life to God, We're on cloud number nine and we walk around, the sky is bluer, the sun's brighter, the moon is shinier. And all of a sudden we begin to realize, where'd my friends go? Uh, Where's my family? Because sometimes conversion costs us. And in the height of that experience, there's a loneliness. I don't know what this woman in Luke chapter eight experienced, but I know what I experienced and I know what others I've counseled and talked to have experienced. Sometimes conversion causes you to lose everything, but it's not only conversion. Then after conversion, there's consecration. And we begin to realize that God has written our name down in the Lamb's book of life, and we're no longer a part of this world. Yeah. Your late son. <laughs> well, there's a bucket for you to put your money in, so <laughs> keep that in mind. We met him the other day. He's all right. I've got a son in law that looks almost like him. You know, conversion requires consecration. And when we get consecrated, that's gonna cost us sometimes even more than what conversion cost us because conversion brings consecration and consecration leads to conviction. Now, let me tell you something. In today's world, I don't meet too many Christians anymore with solid, authentic convictions that sin is sin. And just because we live in, in in a technologically advanced age, Sin is still sin, folks. We don't commit adultery, we don't steal, we don't rob, we don't lie. You cannot have a racist bone in your body and expect to go to heaven. And our nation's divided right down the middle. My son's married to a Filipino. I have four Mexican grandsons and a black son-in-law. Don't you dare call me a racist. I may be old, but I can still punch you with my right hand. Amen. There's no room in the Pentecostal Spirit-filled church for people that harbor any type of bigotry whatsoever. Now, you need to say a loud amen to that one. If you've got the Holy Ghost, you will have convictions. (laughs) I remember many years ago, standing at the corner of Susquehanna and I think it was 12th or 13th Street. Now I'm from Kansas and I grew up in a a neighborhood that was just a one race neighborhood. Now I'm in Philadelphia, in North Philadelphia with one million people of color living in that section of Philadelphia. Now I'd never heard of the black Muslims, you know, Elijah Muhammad and today it's, what's his name, Farrakhan? the former jazz player from Louisiana. So now I'm standing there. This is July the 4th, 1964. I'm standing there with my young pregnant wife. And we got about a dozen young people with us and a crowd in front of us. There were alcoholics and drug addicts and pimps and gang members and then some regular sinners. And we were all standing underneath Muhammad's mosque, number 12. I didn't know, and all of a sudden, and I'm preaching and you know hollering like you're supposed to when you preach, and these two black men come walking up in front of me, black suits and short cut hair, black bow ties, and they got right in front of me. And one of them pulled out a 38 and stuck it in my stomach and said, white man, this is our neighborhood, get out of here. I pulled myself up to my full stature and I looked him in the face and I said, okay, and we left. <laughs> my mama didn't raise no idiots. We went home and we prayed and we fasted and six months later, we took our school bus and we converted it into a, into a mobile classroom with a little generator. We went back into that same neighborhood and developed a ghetto Sunday school of over 1,000 children That's before the world ever heard of Bill Johnson in New York City. Conviction will sometimes isolate you from friends and family. Conversion, consecration, conviction. Oh, but thank God, there's always a conclusion. And to those who remain true and authentic in their walk with God Almighty, There will be a conclusion one of these days. If you just hang on, stay true, don't backslide, don't give up. And somebody in this room this morning is going to have a scar removed from your life because you're going to have the same experience that this little lady had. She was at a shack at the end of a muddy road, maybe. Lying, weakened... here to illustrate and describe because sometimes we the end of a muddy road. I know what it's like to be on top of the world and overnight have that world turned upside down and you feel like you've lost every friend. Years of hard work is gone and you just want to dig a hole, get in that hole And pull the dirt in over you. She's laying possibly on a bloodstained cot at the end of a muddy trail. No friends, no family. Every time her weak legs would lift her off that cot and start her down that road, she would maybe fall because nobody was feeding her. Nobody was taking care of her. This day she's laying there thinking it's all over. But all of a sudden, she heard something. Jesus. She heard a name. Because you see, at the end of that muddy road on Main Street, Jesus was on his way to heal a girl that had died. But God Almighty, the creator of everything that is, stopped at that muddy trail. For some reason, he stopped. And the people were crying, Jesus, Jesus. And the wind picked that name up. And it began to, it was wafting up and down that muddy trail. And it hit that cabin. And somehow, that isolated, scared, lonely lady, maybe she threw those weakened legs over that cot. And and, and she was able to get up. Jesus, and the name... It wasn't Muhammad. it wasn't Buddha, it wasn't Trump or Biden. And regardless of who you voted for, if you were smart, I know who you voted for. But regardless of who you, vo- of, of, of who you think could help you, I'm here to tell you there's but one name that can heal the wound on your heart. There's but one name that can r- rip that bandage off of your hurting spirit and wounded soul. And the name got louder. Jesus, and as it got louder, strength began to move her. Well, if I can just get to where he is. You see, it's not hard today. Back then it was hard. I've gone back into the bush of 24 African nations over the past 50 years. I've seen people walk for two and three days over mountains and crossing rivers to get to Jesus. Finally, she said, if I can just get to the man whose name is Jesus. And finally, she comes to the crowd and in order to touch the hem of his garment, she had to get on her hands and knees maybe. You know, that's a good position to get sometimes when you're looking for God. I love the songs that they sang today. It touched me. From the moment I walked into this room, there was a spirit of prophecy. And you could feel the Holy Ghost in this house. Some of you may not be accustomed to some of what went on today. But let me tell you, it was real, it was authentic, and it was Bible. And you're shepherded. You are shepherded by a wonderful family. And God is adding to this leadership. Shepherding is wonderful. You know what they call pastors in Germany? German shepherds. Now she gets to the crowd where Jesus is. She's on her hands and knees and she's making her way through that crowd. Dirty feet, sweaty legs. But if I can just get to that name. Because beloved, hear me, there's no name given among men whereby we can be saved except the name of Jesus Christ. That's God's name. God is simply a word that defines deity. But God has a name, because the angel told the little virgin girl in Palestine, that baby inside you is called Emmanuel, which being interpreted, God with us. And the same angel said, that God has a name. Thou shalt call his name, Jesus. Jesus is his name. They get down. He She gets down and touches his garment. Now, here's the best part, and I'm closing. Number one. (laughs) No, I understand. And Jesus said, who touched me? And you can read it there in Luke 8. His disciples said, what do you mean who touched you? People are crowding. Everybody's touching. No, no, no. Who touched me? And then he said something else. That woman with no name, is like the lady that was raped 18 times. Or the sad look on the face of a mother as she buried her child from drug addiction. That same woman who represents somebody sitting here who feel like you're useless and worthless me Jesus said this no name woman no address Jesus looked at his disciples and said somebody touched me so all of a sudden nobody became somebody and when we make our peace with God (laughs) I don't care what we've done in the past I don't care what mistakes you've made how many times you've fallen in your attempt to serve Jesus you're still a somebody and I'd like to I'm going to ask I don't know exactly the protocol here and if I mess up your pastors he'll straighten you out next Sunday but I'm going to ask you to stand on your feet with me if you will everybody all over this building if you're able to stand if you can't we understand that But now I want you to listen to pastor closely. Well, I'm no longer a pastor. I was always a missionary evangelist trying to pastor, but today I'm living the dream, folks. I got the best job in the world, carrying this gospel around the world. But here's my question to you. I'm not asking, it's not about sin. It's about, have you been wounded? Are you hurting? have have people failed you somewhere in life and every now and then the enemy will whisper in your mind you're really nobody you're never going to watch anything but I want to ask you to do this if if you know that maybe God's talking to you today and you've just got to get rid of that hurt on the inside not about you doing anything wrong or a list of sins i'm not interested in that today i just want to see somebody get healed emotionally and spiritually pastor talked about physical healing yes i want that too but god talked to me about somebody that would be here today hurting and you don't know why if you need god to touch you today have the courage to remain standing for a moment of prayer. But if everything is okay between you and God, and you know that, man, I'm okay. Quietly and prayerfully, you may be seated. But if you need special prayer today, if you're carrying that wound, if you just can't seem to get set free Have the courage to remain standing for a moment of prayer. If you could not sit down today, that is no indication that you're bad. But if you couldn't sit down and you need God to heal your heart, have the courage to step into the nearest aisle and come down to this altar for prayer, would you do that? God bless you, son have the courage to come down to this altar. And this is is no indication that you're bad. This is no indication that you've done anything wrong. Now probably most of the people, unless you're a first time guest here, know who you are. So if you've got a friend or a loved one I don't want anybody to be alone standing in this altar. I want friends and family and loved ones to come and stand with them. Put your hand on their shoulder, put your arm around them if it's appropriate, but don't let anybody pray by themselves today. And I'm gonna say this prayer and then I want you to pray with this individual that's here. And if you need the baptism of the Holy Ghost, what's your name, son? Lavon? I figured it'd be Levon or LeBron or something like that. You have the Holy Ghost? You speak in tongues? Do you understand that? Yeah. You know what it means to be Holy Ghost filled. Good. Do you? All right. Are you spirit? Do you do you pray in tongues? Amen. Lay hand, Mama. Bless you, dear. All you precious people. We're gonna pray. God was talking to you, wasn't he? Pastor Nicole, come up here, baby. I don't know this story, but I know that God was talking to you and there's going to be something wonderful. I know you love God. Go ahead and cry. It's okay to cry, folks. It's okay to cry. Lord Jesus, would you just lay your hand upon these precious people right now? Josh, would you join me, son? Joshua, if you've got, come up here on this side. I'm you to pray with LaVon and these guys right here. Lord, stretch forth your hand right now. Touch every person that's here. Touch them, Lord Jesus. God, you're able to heal. You're able to restore. Pray out loud, church. Come on, pray out loud. We're going we're, we're to touch God today. We're touching heaven. In Jesus' name, Hallelujah. God touch them, bless this precious sister, Lord. Touch her and bless her. Amen, 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 God. Lord, we're believing you. We're believing you, Lord, amen. Glory be to God, glory be to God, amen. Amen, Lord, in Jesus' name. that you'll stretch forth your hand, God, and bring healing. You're doing it now, Lord. We receive it. We receive it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. We receive it. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Just search Vision Church. If you would like to help support this ministry, you can do so at visionnwa.com forward slash give.